Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! You know, we have been in a message series that we're calling Find and Follow. And the, the simple idea here is we're taking time here in, in August and then into the fall is, is we're just going chapter by chapter through the story of the first church. Many of you know the second part of the Bible, the Christian scriptures, is, is called the New Testament. And at the beginning of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are the Gospels. These are accounts of the life of Jesus and then uh, Jesus uh, is, is killed on a cross. They put him in a tomb, and he comes back to life. And, and then it's the beginning of the church, and that's recorded by a doctor, a Greek doctor named Luke. And he records what happens to these first followers in Acts. And so what we're doing in this message series, Find and Follow, is we're simply going chapter by chapter, section by section through Acts. And so we're in part three Acts 3. In, in Acts chapter 3, Luke records this amazing encounter. And, and he tells this story. And so I just want to pick up in Acts 3, verse 1. And here's how Luke records it. He says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He says, as they approached the temple, a man... Lame from birth was being carried in, and each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When Peter and John saw, when Peter, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, hey, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but, what, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now, now here's the key phrase here. As I have been sitting in this, the key phrase for me that jumped off the page and just hit me in the face was in verse 4. Look what it says. Peter and John, what? Looked at him intently. Peter and John looked at him intently. Other translations say that they looked straight at him or they directed their gaze at him or they looked him straight in the eye. You ever wish someone would just look you in the eye? Like, like really focus on you or pay attention to you? You know, I... <laughs> I remember when I was uh, in my early 20s and uh, I, I wanted to meet with my pastor at the time uh, and I, typical kind of idea, I get on his calendar, talk to his assistant, get on his calendar weeks down the road and so finally the day arrives and I'm going to meet with him and, and so we're going to go do lunch and so we go and we meet at this restaurant and we sit down to have lunch and I know that I only have a limited amount of time, so I'm loaded. I'm ready with all of my questions, with everything I'm, I'm seeking. And, and about the time we sit down and, you know, get the menus in order, his phone rings. And, and I remember him saying something like, well, just, just a minute, i got to take this call. And he takes the call there, and, you know, that awkward 
thing that you feel when the other person on the other side of the table is on the phone and you're kind of sitting there like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And then, so finally he finishes that, like, all right, well, and he gets back to me. And then, and then a text message comes in. I think he ended up taking several phone calls during our lunch. And what happened to me as a 20-something young? What, did, what happened? What did I feel? You know, I shut down, right? I, I, I shut down. And, and I, I thought to myself that, day, I said, I don't ever want to be that guy. I, mean, I don't ever want to be that guy with my wife. I don't want to ever be that guy with my kids. I don't ever be that guy with my friends. Or with I don't want to be that guy. And here's what captivated me as I have been reading and sitting in this Acts chapter 3. As you think about Peter and John, these guys were busy. They weren't just like walking around with nothing to do. I mean, as we pick up the story in Acts chapter 3, they had been walking with Jesus for all these years. They get kind of to the, to the climax of the Jesus story, and, and he's arrested, and, and Peter denies him. I mean, there's all of this emotion and turmoil, and, and then they, they crucify Jesus on a cross. They put him in a tomb, and boom, three days later, then Peter and John were like the first ones to the empty tomb, and they're like, he's not here. They see angels. Right? And then that begins this just amazing adrenaline rush of, of 40 days that Jesus spends with these first followers. There's about 120 men and women, and, and he spends time with them. And at the end of the 40 days, Peter and John are there. They see Jesus ascend back into heaven, and they hear the angels say, hey, what are you standing here looking at? And then, after that, they, they go back to where they were, and the Holy Spirit comes on them, and Peter preaches this amazing message in Acts chapter 2, and, and, and Luke tells us that just like thousands of people are coming to faith. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 3, I mean, this is like full speed, high octane. A lot is going on, and, and Peter and John have become quite a, a, a attention grabber. I mean, there, there's a sense of celebrity kind of happening to them. So here they are. All of this is going on. All of this is going on, and they're going to prayer. In the afternoon at 3 o'clock, and, and in the midst of all of that, they see this guy. And they don't just see him like, oh, hey, what's up? Man? It's like, no, no, no. They stop. They look. They focus their attention here. In this moment, at this second, the only thing that matters is you. They looked intently at him, and they saw this guy. And they looked straight at him, and their focus and attention was on him. And I have to be honest, I think, of like, am I just too distracted? Am I, am I moving too fast? Am I too preoccupied? Am I maybe physically there, but mentally, emotionally, somewhere else? Am I missing moments? Am I missing opportunities? Is God speaking and whispering to me? Is God presenting things in front of me, but yet I am distracted? I mean, what about you? And then what do you do? Like, what do you do? How do you not live? There's so many distractions. There's so many things. How do you... You know, I, I own, as I'm sitting here talking about this, that I am more of a student here than a teacher and I am on a journey, and this is something I've been wrestling with, with God about, about for, for just a long time, and especially a lot recently. God changed my heart, changed my perspective, changed my way of life. But I want to share with you just some of what I am learning 
in this journey about distraction and focus and attention and, and how the, to be able to focus on what is in the present moment. I've been reading a ton and, I, and God's Word. I've also been reading several books that have been useful for me. And, and so some of these principles are gleaned from multiple sources. But, but here's kind of my first practical application that I have been wrestling with, and, and, and it's this. It's the importance of the first 30 minutes of your day. How you start matters. I can see a marked difference in my life depending on how I start my day. The first 30 minutes matter. And the first 30 minutes will literally affect me for the rest of the day. And, and especially when it comes to the idea of focus and attention and distraction. The first 30 minutes matter. You see, on a, on a good day, I, I have a good routine. On a good day, I get up before anyone else in my family. right? And maybe you need to sacrifice some sleep. Maybe, but you, I get up, and, and, and there's something about the quiet of the day, right? And, and having a routine, getting, getting some water, and then I have a routine where I love to sit down, and, and I love to start my day. And, and for me, because my, I have an active mind, and it's always bopping, uh, I, I need to focus. And so one of the ways I focus is I write down my thoughts. I write down my thoughts. In fact, I, I kind of have two lists going. One is I have an active thought that I'm, I'm recording, that I'm writing down, and I also have a pad, a, a piece of paper, that, that anything that comes up that, that is not what I need to focus on the moment, I write it down so I don't forget it, but then I can move on. It, it's like, oh, man, I, I need to take out the trash, or I need to pay this bill, or I need to, whatever. I can write that down, write it down, and then move on and get back and not get distracted, right? So how do you start your day? What is, it, what is your routine uh, do you just wake up and it's rushed and it's hectic and that just begins your day and then it just spirals from there? Like, how do you start your day? I, I think the first 30 minutes really determine so much. I mean, how do you get to a place where you can be like Peter and John and see the moment, see the opportunity? How do you not be like the dead at the beginning who, who misses the moment? I believe the first 30 minutes of your day matter so much. Here, here's something else that I'm, I'm learning, and I don't like this one, but uh, another principle is embracing your limits. I'm, I'm learning more and more. I think the older that I get, I'm learning more and more to embrace my limits. And this is hard for me because I love to achieve. I love to accomplish. And, and, and I want to be a great dad and a great husband and a great pastor. And I, I want to be in shape. And I, I want to do all these things. And I want to... Uh, you know, exercise and eat healthy, and I, I want to teach well, and I want to be a great friend, and I want to uh, play golf, and I want to uh, have uh, amazing conversations, and I want like all of these things. I want to read more. All of these things I want to do, but the reality is, I have limits, and that you have limits, and you got to embrace your limits. And I think I've fought against this for a long time, but limits are good because in reality they drive us toward humility. I mean, you got limits. You got physical limits. You got time limits. Uh, you you have intellectual limits. You have talent and gift limits. There's some things you're good at, and some things you're not good at. Your personality, your your resources, your wealth, your time, your relation. Everything has limits, and that's okay. It's okay. 
I believe that, like we talked about in part one, that you, you were created on purpose, with purpose, for a specific purpose. And that purpose d- goes directly in line with who you are, and there are limits to that. And limits are okay. They cause us to move toward God with humility. Embrace your limits. Third thing, and it's kind of closely related to that, is embrace pain and discomfort. This is a big one that, I, that I'm doing a, a lot of sitting in right now. Embrace pain and discomfort. You see, the, the primary source or the primary reason for distraction, right, is that we're, we're is, is pain and discomfort. Because when, when you experience pain or when you experience when you experience discomfort, right, the, the natural reaction, right, the default reaction is to is to try to, to push it away, to try to run away or to try to numb it in some way, right? If I'm uncomfortable, if I'm experiencing pain, if, if something is not seen well, my, my initial reaction is I get away, how do I get away from here or how do I numb this? Or, or as my counselor would say, how do you take the edge off, right? And this causes and this leads to a lot of distraction. And a lot of people numb things different ways. A lot of people run from things different ways. And some people are just incessantly on their phone or on their mobile device. Some people just binge watch Netflix. You know, there's other things. People drink, drugs, pornography. There are all kinds of ways, right, that we try to to numb and take the edge off. And what does that do? It distracts us from reality. It distracts us from the moment. It distracts us maybe from some pain and discomfort that we need to sit in. <laughs> I'll never forget when I was in my early 20s and I was uh, seeing a Christian counselor. And I went in and was, I'll never forget this moment. I'm sitting in his office and, and we're talking and I'm just sharing. And one of the things he said as I was describing some situations and just talking about some sadness and some grief in my life, he said, he said, Greg, you should just sit in that. I'm thinking, what? Sit in that? Like, I came here for you to help me get rid of this, not to sit in this. And at the moment, my t- I didn't get it at that point in my life, but, but now as I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I get what he's trying to say. Like, just, just, just embrace it. Like, yeah. I am sad or I am in this hard moment and there is pain and discomfort and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in this for a bit and I'm going to just sit in it. You know, growth, compassion, humility, they come from staring pain and discomfort in the face. Growth, compassion, humility come from staring pain and discomfort in the face. And if you're always trying to avoid pain and discomfort, you will always be distracted. Let me say that again. If you are if you're if you're always trying to avoid pain and discomfort, you will always be distracted. Here's the last kind of piece, kind of practical things that I'm learning through this is intentionally limit distractions. Okay, key word, intentionally limit distractions. Like, what is it that distracts you? Like, what, what is it that distracts you? What, you? You probably know. If you don't know, you should ask your spouse or your kids or your, or your friends. What is it that distracts you? You know, I know for me, I have a bad habit 
as I'm driving around the city, every time I come to a red light, I automatically, without thinking, just grab my phone. I don't know why. What am I looking at? What am I? I just grab my phone. Right? Why? Right? Distraction. Why? Right? What is it when you're in the moment, when you're around friends and family and love? What is it that you grab? What is it that distracts you? What is it that you do to take the edge off? It could be a phone. It could, it could be uh, a drink. It could be some. What is it that you do to distract? The, the first thing you need to do is be aware of it. Okay, what, what is it? And then you need to create a plan. What is my plan to, to set limits, to, to intentionally remove distractions at certain points? What, how do you set limits? So, for example, one of the things that, that I do is when I'm at home in the evenings with my family, I want to be present. I want to be physically and emotionally and mentally present. And so I, I take my phone, right, and I, and I place it in a, a part of our house that's far away where it is not a distraction, where I don't hear all the notifications, I don't hear the dings. I put it away, right, so that I can be present with my wife, with my kids, and so I'm not always like, oh, hold on, let me check that, let me check that. Like, present. Like, what is it that you need to do? What? What is it that you need to set aside? What, what kind of things do you need to put, what kind of limits do you need to put in place that will help eliminate distractions? I love this quote. Living the life you want requires not only doing the right things, it also requires you to stop doing the wrong things that take you off track. Living the life you want requires not only doing the right things, it also requires you to stop doing the wrong things that take you off track. So here's what I know. Every day, there are opportunities. There are moments. It could be with your daughter. It could be with a guy across the table from you at a coffee shop over lunch. It could be unexpected. There, there are moments. There are opportunities every single day that are in front of you. And the question is, do you see it? Are you aware? Do you know? And here's what's even deeper. One of our core beliefs here at the church is that God is speaking to you. God is, he's actively pursuing you and he's inviting you into a, an intimate, dynamic relationship within and he's inviting you to be part of something bigger than you. And the question is, do you hear him? Are you aware? Do you see what he's doing, where he's working every day? There are moments, there are opportunities, and I don't want you to miss them. I don't want you to miss them. I want, I, I want to live like, like Peter and John. And yes, life is busy and there's lots of stuff to do and things are going on and sometimes it's, it's hard not to be preoccupied or overwhelmed, but, but I want to be able to, no matter what's going on, as I'm going through my day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I see someone, I can look them in the eyes and be present in that moment. Oh, friends, this is the life I want for you. This is the life I want for me. To, to, be, to live on purpose, with purpose, for a specific purpose, we have to be present and not distractive. Oh, that we could be indistractable. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at hellomichurch.com. 
Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.